Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hey, this is Doc Washburn, afternoon talk show host at Mark's affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-R-N. Honored to be filling in for the great one again. Now, Mark is enjoying some well-deserved time off over the holidays. I'm honored that he once again gave me the keys to the Ferrari. I intend to return it after three hours, full of gas and without a scratch. And what better way to start the show than with an article on The Blaze that Mark released this very afternoon, and it is a profound article. Now, I'm going to read it to you, and then I want to get your feedback at 877-381-3811. Mark's article is entitled... On January 6th, we learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. Now, I've read a lot of Mark Levin's works, and this is easily the most important thing I've ever read that he has written. All right, here's what he says. January 6th is the day we learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. The 2020 presidential election was in several targeted battleground states, an unconstitutional electoral exercise. Even putting aside evidence of significant fraud, virtually none of which received a hearing by our courts, events leading up to and including the November national election constituted a radical and grave departure from the federal electoral system adopted by the framers of the Constitution and the state ratification conventions. Now, let's be clear. None of this matters to the Democrat Party since it and its surrogates perpetrated these unconstitutional acts, as I shall soon explain. Nor does it matter to the media, which is utterly illiterate on the subject and unequivocally supports the supposed outcome in any event. But it should be of great moment and concern to the people of this country and especially to congressional Republicans in both houses. For if the latter do not at least confront and challenge this lawlessness on January 6th, when Congress meets to count the electors, it will be the GOP's undoing and simultaneously the undoing of our presidential electoral system. Ultimately, it will be the people of the United States who love our republic who will be the losers. Win, lose, or draw. On January 6th, the Republicans must not act as if the people have spoken and be cowered into passivity or worse, such as joining the Democrat Party and media hecklers by insisting that they are part of a lawless party seeking to reverse the results of the election. Too many Republicans have already buckled, including the Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, Senator John Thune, and Representative Adam Kinziger, no doubt others who are unreliable and cowardly when facing the organized mob will follow. But let us not be judged by those who have intentionally 
and strategically manipulated our politics and the law to undermine our constitutional order. It is they who must be condemned. Specifically, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Federal Constitution could not be more explicit. It states in pertinent part, Each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors, equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. Now, this language was purposeful. During the Constitutional Convention, there were various proposals suggested for electing a president. Should the president be directly elected by the people? That proposal was rejected out of concern that such a purely democratic process could be hijacked by a temporary majority. Should the president be chosen in the first instance from within the national legislature? That proposal was also rejected on grounds of separation of powers. Should the judiciary play a role in the selection of the president? That idea was dispensed with as being the most objectionable, as judges were to be the least political of all public officials. The framers deliberatively, and with much thought, created the electoral college process in which the people and their elected legislatures, both state and national, would play important roles. But the electoral process rested first and foremost on the state legislatures directing how the electors would be chosen. The reason? While rejecting the direct election of a president, the framers concluded that the state legislatures were closest to the people in their respective states and would be the best representatives of their interests. At no time did the framers even raise the possibility that governors, attorneys general, secretaries of state, election boards, administrators, etc., would play any significant role in the electoral process. Indeed, certain of those offices did not even exist. Moreover, as I said, the courts were rejected out of hand. Thus, such an important power was to be exercised exclusively by the state legislatures. After the 2016 election, the Democrat Party its various surrogate groups, and eventually the Biden campaign unleashed hundreds of lawsuits and an unrelenting lobbying campaign in key states that had previously been won by President Trump taking unconstitutional measures intended to stop President Trump from winning these states in the 2020 election, thereby literally undoing the crit this critical constitutional provision. What had been carefully crafted at the Constitutional Convention, and clearly spelled out in the Constitution, was the main obstacle to defeating President Trump and winning virtually all future presidential elections. The problem for the Democrats was that in several of these battleground states, the Republicans controlled the legislatures, while the Democrats controlled state executive offices. The Constitution was not on their side. Therefore, they used the two branches of government that were to have no role in directing the appointment of electors to eviscerate the role of the, Repub of the Republican legislatures. And Pennsylvania considered the battleground of the battleground states. The Democrat governor, attorney general, 
and Secretary of State made and enforced multiple changes to the state's voting procedures, all of which were intended to assist the Democrats and Biden. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court, whose seven justices are elected, has a five to two Democrat majority. In 2018, there was a big push by the Democrat Party to fill three of the seats with Democrats, and it succeeded. Just months before the general election, that court rewrote the state election laws to eliminate signature requirements or signature matching, eliminate postal markings that were intended to ensure votes were timely, and extended the counting of mail-in ballots to Friday at 5 p.m. State law had a hard date and time, election day on Tuesday, which ended at 8 p.m. Eastern. But by extending the counting of mail-in ballots to Friday at 5 p.m., the Democrat-controlled state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania fundamentally altered Pennsylvania's election laws and nullified the federal constitutional role of the Republican legislature. In Michigan, among other things, the Democrat Secretary of State unilaterally changed the state's election laws with respect to absentee ballot applications and signature verification. Indeed, she sent unsolicited absentee ballot applications by mail prior to the primary and general election. State law required would-be voters to request such ballots. She intentionally circumvented the Republican state legislature and violated the federal constitution by issuing over 7 million unsolicited ballots. Furthermore, A court of claims judge appointed by a Democrat ordered clerks to accept ballots postmarked by November 2nd and received within 14 days of the election the deadline for results to be certified. The ballots would be counted as provisional ballots. The state legislature had no role in these changes. In Wisconsin, the Elections Commission and local Democrat officials and the state's largest cities, including Milwaukee and Madison, changed the state's election laws. Among other things, they placed hundreds of unmanned drop boxes in strategic locations in direct violation of Wisconsin state law. Not surprisingly, the locations were intended to be most convenient to Democrat voters. In addition, they told would-be voters how to avoid security measures like signature verification and photo ID requirements. These bureaucrats and local officials in Wisconsin bypassed the Republican legislature in altering state election procedures. In Georgia, the Secretary of State is a Republican. Regardless, as as explained in the Texas lawsuit brought against Georgia and the three other states mentioned already, on March 6, 2020, in Democrat Party of Georgia versus Raffensperger, Georgia's Secretary of State entered a compromise settlement agreement and release with the Democrat Party of Georgia to materially change the statutory requirements for reviewing signatures on absentee ballot envelopes to confirm the voter's identity by, by making it far more difficult to challenge defective signatures beyond the 22 express mandatory procedures set forth in Georgia code. Now, among other things, before a ballot could be rejected, 
the settlement signed by the Georgia Secretary of State with the Democrat Party required a registrar, a registrar, pardon me, who found a defective signature to now seek a review by two other registrars. And only if a majority of the registrars agreed that the signature was defective could the ballot be rejected, but not before all three registrars' names were written on the ballot envelope along with the reason for the rejection. These cumbersome procedures are in direct conflict with Georgia's statutory requirements, as is the settlement's requirement that notice be provided by telephone, in other words, not in writing, if a telephone number is available. Finally, the settlement in Georgia purports to require state election officials to consider issuing guidance and training materials drafted by an expert retained by the Democrat Party of Georgia. Georgia's Republican legislature had no role in these electoral changes resulting from the consent decree. Consequently, in each of these four battleground states, and there were others, whether through executive fiats or litigation, key, if not core, aspects of state election laws were fundamentally altered in contravention of the explicit power granted to the state legislatures and therefore in violation of the federal constitution and the process set forth for directing the selection of electors. And this is before we even get to the issue of voter fraud. That said, in many instances, ballots that would have been rejected or, if counted, evidence of fraud were now said to be legal not by state legislatures, but by those who unilaterally changed the election laws. All right, my name is Doc Washburn. I'm filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. We are in the middle of his great article that he dropped on theblaze.com today entitled, On January 6th, We Learn Whether Our Constitution Will Hold and Whether Congressional Republicans Care. Now, I'm going to read the rest of the article to you coming up, and then I want your feedback at 877-381-3811. Doc Washburn in for Mark Levin. Mark Levin. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com.
All right, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one. Mark Levin, we are in the midst of the article that he put out on The Blaze this afternoon. And it's entitled, On January 6th, We Learn Whether Our Constitution Will Hold and Whether Congressional Republicans Care. All right, so let's pick up where we left off. The United States Supreme Court had an opportunity before the election and in this general election cycle to make clear to the states that they must comply with the plain language of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. Indeed, when a federal district judge in Michigan altered that state's election laws, a closely divided U.S. Supreme Court overturned his order. Justice Gorsuch pointed out that the state legislature writes election laws. However, when a case was brought to the court involving the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's interference in state election laws, the U.S. Supreme Court was paralyzed. Chief Justice Roberts attempted to distinguish between federal and state courts, which is irrelevant. In another instance, Justice Alito ordered the Pennsylvania, pardon me, and hit the cough button there, ordered the Pennsylvania Secretary of State, Justice Alito did, not once but twice, to segregate certain mail-in ballots, but nothing came of it. A court divided against itself cannot stand. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, its failure to enforce the Constitution, and by that I don't mean make law or intervene in legitimate state election decisions, has contributed mightily to our current plight. Despite what has been reported and repeated, the president is not actually or officially chosen on election day. The president is not chosen upon the certification of electors by the states. The process ends in Congress, and on January 6th, Congress, following both the Constitution and its own procedural law, makes the final decision on who is to be president and vice president of the United States. Of course, in every election in my lifetime up to now, while there have been uh, some controversies, the process has proceeded without much attention. But this time is different, as it must be. The Democrat Party, its surrogates, and eventually the Biden campaign instituted an unprecedented legal and lobbying campaign, mostly under the radar, as it was not well covered by the usual media outlets, to undermine our Constitution, the Republican state legislatures, and the Trump re-election campaign in favor of Biden. In other words... The Constitution's electoral process for choosing electors and ultimately the president and vice president was systematically and strategically attacked. It's now left to Congress, or at least the Republicans in Congress, to confront this. More coming up from Mark Levin's article on The Blaze today. On January 6th, we learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. As the Mark Levin Show continues with Doc Washburn filling in. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, 
should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. All right, Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin from his uh, affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-R-N. We're in the middle of Mark's great article that he dropped this afternoon shortly before we went on the air over at The Blaze. The article is entitled, on January 6th, we learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. And where we left off, Mark was saying it is now left to Congress, or at least the Republicans in Congress, to confront this. The Democrat Party has done severe damage to the nation's electoral system to the point where the state legislatures are now in the position of having the least input on the manner in which elections are held and federal electors are chosen, the complete opposite of what the Constitution compels and the framers unequivocally intended. And the legislatures in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia have in a variety of ways objected to what's occurred, underscoring the seriousness of the problem. Now, If this outcome is allowed to stand without a fight on January 6th, it is difficult to see how this can be fixed. The Democrats will view this as a sure sign that they are free to do more and even worse. It will become extremely difficult for Republicans to win nationwide elections, something the 10 or so GOP senators who wish to run for president should keep in mind. It will also become increasingly difficult to win a Republican majority in the Senate. And the 2020 constitutional violations will be used as a baseline for even more unconstitutional manipulations of the electoral system. The Democrat Party's goal is to turn the nation's electoral system into into the one-party rule that exists in virtually all blue states, especially California with its supermajorities. As I said earlier, win, lose, or draw, the congressional Republicans must act. It is the Democrats and their media who seek to undo election results by undoing the election system. Look at what they did in 2016. Need I remind everyone of the relentless assault against candidate and then President Trump, and now 2020. And they have every intention, as they have boldly proclaimed, to further undermine our constitutional system should they win the Senate majority in a few days by eliminating the filibuster and any ability to slow their radical legislative agenda, packing the Supreme Court with left-wing ideologues, and packing the Senate 
with four more Democrats from Puerto Rico and D.C., and that's just for starters. This is the same party that did not care that it had no hope of removing President Trump in the Senate, but impeached him anyway on the most specious of grounds. They are playing for keeps and destroying our constitutional system for which they have little regard. I am well aware that it takes a majority of both houses to send the election of the president to the House of Representatives where each delegation gets one vote, an extremely difficult hurdle. Nonetheless, it is not asking too much for the Republicans to uphold the United States Constitution, which they all took an oath to do, and to fight to preserve and protect the plain words set forth in Article 2. They must make the case to and on behalf of the American people, and they must make it clear to the Democrats that we, the people who believe in this republic, will not roll over. Now, let's see how many statesmen there are among Republican members of Congress. Okay, that was Mark Levin's brand new article on The Blaze entitled, On January 6th, We Learn Whether Our Constitution Will Hold and Whether Congressional Republicans Care. Now, I know it's not the same hearing Mark's thoughts and someone else's voice, but I hope you can feel the passion, the urgency, the concern that Mark Levin has for the future of our country. He didn't waste a word. He said it the way it needed to be said. All right, let's grab some calls at 877-381-3811. I want to get your feedback on that article. And by the way, well, they'll call in. They'll call in. Don't worry about it. By the way, There has been a lot of stuff breaking today, not the least of which is President Trump calling for the Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, to resign. That's a huge deal. There may have been an instance in the almost two and a half centuries of our nation's existence of a president calling for a governor of his own party to resign, but I don't know of one. Here are the president's exact words on Twitter. Quote, Hearings from Atlanta on the Georgia election overturn now being broadcast. Check it out. One American News, Newsmax, and many more. And then President Trump says, Brian Kemp should resign from office. He is an obstructionist who refuses to admit that we won Georgia big! Exclamation mark. Also won the other swing states. Okay, Mr. Producer, before we go to calls, may may I give an editorial opinion? I mean, this is a talk show after all, right? I think President Trump calling for the Republican governor of Georgia to resign today is a warning. And I don't say that lightly. And I don't think the president called for his resignation lightly either. By the way, last time I checked, I don't know who needs to hear this, but last time I checked, it is a federal felony to certify an election when you know it was fraudulent. Now, if you're one of the people thinking, well, Doc, I sure hope you're right, but I don't see how President Trump's going to be able to pull this out. Why is he calling for the Republican governor of Georgia to resign? Stick with me. Stick with me. 
We also have some outrageous news coming up, actual testimony today about what happened in the theft of the election in Georgia. And we also have, I don't know if a, it may be like Mark Levin at ESPN. We also have the first United States senator to stand up for this president and say, I will object on January 6th. And it probably came out between the time Mark wrote the article and the, uh, the time we, we went on the air. It's Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, and I'll tell you exactly what he said here in a few. All right, 877-381-3811. Let me go to uh, Keith. Keith, you are on the Mark Levin Show with Doc Washington filling in. What's up, brother? Um, at the beginning of Mark's piece, he said that the evidence for fraud in the election hadn't been dealt with by the courts. Yeah. Um, why, why do you suppose that was? What, what has kept uh, the votes from being you know, reviewed or overturned because of the evidence? Well, I know in the, in the case of the, um, the Texas case, Supreme Court said, oh, sorry, you don't have standing. I mean, I think there have been a number of lower court judges who don't want to have evidentiary hearings. They just want to find, well, you know, one of the things Mark laid out in his article, for instance, was the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is five to two Democrat, and they don't want to hear about it. I mean, they're the ones who unconstitutionally changed the rules for the election in the first place. Haven't, haven't, has there been no court at all that was that went as far as presenting evidence for the fraud? Well, that's a good question. There have been a lot of lawsuits by entities other than the Trump campaign, dozens of them, and I haven't been able to, to look at all of them, um, but none that I've heard of. And, you know, I, I eat and breathe and sleep and drink this stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not a normal person like yourself, uh, Keith, and I, I haven't seen any yet. I appreciate your call, Keith. Thank you very much. All right, let's grab another call here at 877-381-3811. How about uh, Martin in uh, beautiful Gainesville, Florida? Gainesville, Florida, home of uh, University of Florida. Uh, how, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Doc. Home of the Mighty Gators. That's exactly right. So my question is, and you've outlined it perfectly, and Mark's article, of course, is brilliant. Yeah. If these judicial measures that they're trying to take to swing things and these extra legislative things that they're trying to do to thwart the will of the actual people, yeah. if these things are going forward, we as citizens have a right to defend ourselves against a tyrannical government, and this is exactly what the definition of a tyrannical government would be. Yeah. I know there's more than a few people wanting to know at what point do we activate ourselves and not tolerate such things anymore. Yeah. No, that's that's a good question. And, you know, I, I have a couple of things I want to say to address that, Martin. Um, one is it recently came out that Donald Trump, as a private citizen in 2012, said on Twitter computers were changing votes from Mitt Romney to Barack Obama. So I think he's seen this coming for eight years. That's number one. Number two, we have the executive order that he put out September 12, 2018, making 
our electoral system a critical part of our national security infrastructure. And as president, using the military, he has a lot of options that he can do if foreign entities try to interfere in a federal election, and not just to the foreign entities, but to any U.S. persons conspiring with them. Now, I'm not talking martial law here, but the last thing in the world you or I or President Trump wants to see is is blood in the streets. That's, that's the last thing in the world he wants to see. But I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but six days after Election Day, he fired his Secretary of Defense with no warning. He got a new one who is a, a Green Beret veteran, and he put General Michael Flynn's former right-hand man, a guy named Ezra Cohen-Watnick, in charge of special operations. And one of the things I mentioned when I filled in for Mark on March 21st is that recently this new interim Secretary of Defense was introducing Vice President Pence, and he had only been Secretary of Defense since December 9th, and he was making this little speech before he introduced Vice President Pence on December 18th, he said, uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm going to go off script here for a moment. I just want to say we've been through a lot of stuff recently. We have conducted the most uh, complicated military operations in the history of this country recently. And you have been an inspiration and an encouragement to me. And you got this, this war veteran, this combat veteran, this Green Beret, who's getting choked up like I just was, saying, I want to thank you for being a mentor to me. Now, what does that mean between November 9th and December 18th, the most complicated military operation in our country's history? Well, under the Secretary of Defense is not only special operations, but under special operations, you've got the Cyber Command. And if indeed China, and who knows else, who else? I mean, Mike Flynn said today several countries were involved in interfering with our election, not just China. Um... That's an act of war. It's non-military. It's non-military, but it's still an act of war. And so I believe that this president and his secretary of defense and probably Mike Flynn and a few others, Mike Flynn's right-hand man who's now in charge of spec ops, I believe they're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. The last thing in the world they want is another civil war, another Americans fighting Americans. Martin, I, I hope that's a good answer for you, brother. i got to run to a break, but I appreciate you. And uh, belated Merry Chris, Christmas and, and a Happy New Year. More calls coming up at 877-381-3811. Every word, every word of Mark Levin's article is just spot on. And you need to go to theblaze.com and get a hold of it. It is called on January 6th. We learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. More calls coming up straight ahead, 877-381-3811. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Doc Washburn filling for the great one from his uh, Little Rock, Arkansas affiliate, K-A-R-N. The name of the article we shared with you earlier in the hour is from TheBlaze.com. Mark wrote it this afternoon. It's called, On January 6th, We Learn Whether Our Constitution Will Hold and Whether Congressional Republicans Care. So let's uh, let's grab some, some calls. Um, let me go with um, Lee in Wichita, Kansas. You're on the Mark Levin Show with Doc Washburn. What's up? Hey, I just want to say that I think our legislatures and our Congress people should do what they took the oath to do, which is uphold the Constitution and to work for we the people, not serve themselves, serve us the people. And also we need to pray for President Trump. Oh, yeah. And everyone in the United States, without God being with us, we will not make it through. There you go. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Lee. Thank you very much. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you. Let me go to uh, Nick in New Orleans. Nick, you are on the Michael Levin Show with Doc Washington. What's up? I wholeheartedly agree with all, this. This is so important. I mean, I can't believe we're not fighting harder. All future elections are over. If we can't, I mean, this was Biden who didn't come out of his basement and about a million other things that make him a terrible candidate. Yeah. And this would have been a landslide. The future will be closer elections where it won't even be clearly obvious. They announced right in the middle. And the people, I hear some conservatives say judges are ruling against Trump, so therefore there's no evidence. Judges ruling means nothing. In Washington, judges ruled five to four to almost allow a serial killer out of jail because of COVID, a guy who killed 48 women. I mean, these are the judges we're talking about. This is not evidence. I hear some say judges are afraid to overturn an election. They're not overturning an election. They're overturning a fraudulent election. Exactly. If they're they're afraid to make these kinds of calls, they should not be judges. No, you're absolutely correct. And, um, you know, I had to um, basically... um, call a U.S. representative out of Arkansas on the carpet recently, who after this U.S. Supreme Court turned down the Texas thing, he threw in the towel. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. We're not going to come together as as Americans. I mean, uh, a lot of the people who were responding to him saying, well, I guess it's all over, were saying he should be tried for sedition for signing the amicus brief in the Texas uh, case the, the day before. I mean, uh, we got to run to it, but great call, and I appreciate your passion. I agree with it. More calls coming up at the top of the hour. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one. Mark Levin.
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one from Little Rock, Arkansas's affiliate in Little Rock, KARN. We're going to get to some crazy testimony today from the Georgia State Senate Judiciary Subcommittee. The fraud in Georgia, and especially in Fulton County, that's Atlanta, is so obvious, and we want to get to that. But first of all, we started off the show in the first hour with uh, Mark's article on The Blaze, entitled on January 6th, We Learned Whether Our Constitution Will Hold and Whether Congressional Republicans Care. And the number of Republicans in the U.S. House standing up saying, I am going to object to the fraudulent Biden electors is growing. And now, as of today, there is one United States senator Josh Hawley of the Show Me State, Missouri, who said, hey, I'm going to object. Let me read to you Josh Hawley's official statement that he put out on social media uh, today. He says, millions of voters concerned about election integrity deserve to be heard. I will object on January 6th on their behalf. Following both the 2004 and 2016 elections, Democrats in Congress objected during the certification of electoral votes in order to raise concerns about election integrity. They were praised by Democratic leadership and the media when they did, and they were entitled to do so. But now, those of us concerned about the integrity of this election are entitled to do the same. I cannot vote to certify the Electoral College results on January 6th without raising the fact that some states, particularly Pennsylvania, failed to follow their own state election laws. And I cannot vote to certify without pointing out the unprecedented effort of mega-corporations, including Facebook and Twitter, to interfere in this election in support of Joe Biden. At the very least, Congress should investigate allegations of voter fraud and adopt measures to secure the integrity of our elections. But Congress has so far failed to act. For these reasons, I will follow the same practice Democrat members of Congress have in years past and object during the certification process on January 6th to raise these critical issues. Okay, so that is the full statement from Senator Josh Hawley out there on on social media today. Now, Don't know if you heard about this. Walmart's official Twitter account had a very nasty response to Senator Hawley's statement. On Walmart's official Twitter account, a tweet went out in response to Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, which said, and I quote, Go ahead, get your two-hour debate, hashtag sore loser. 
Wow. Now, when a, a huge corporation tweets something, it is thought to be official by them, right? Well, Senator Hawley responded, quoting again, Thanks, Walmart, for your insulting condescension. Now that you've insulted 75 million Americans, will you at least apologize for using slave labor? I guess he's talking about, I don't know, uh, products coming from China. Senator Hawley said, or, or maybe you'd like to apologize for the pathetic wages you pay your workers as you drive mom and pop stores out of business? Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Now, of course, Walmart deleted the tweet and issued an apology of sorts. Now, I gave you Senator Hawley's quotes. I gave you the initial Walmart tweet. So it's only my duty to share with you Walmart's official response to Senator Hawley's fiery response. They said, and I quote, The tweet published earlier was mistakenly posted by a member of our social media team. We deleted the post and have no intention of commenting on the subject of certifying the Electoral College. We apologize to Senator Hawley for this error and any confusion about our position, unquote. Mistakenly, huh? It was... It was posted mistakenly by a member of their social media team. That was a mistake. You know, I'm old enough to remember when a rodeo clown, I think it was in Missouri, was banned from the business forever and investigated by the feds for having the gall to wear a Barack Obama mask after wearing other masks of other presidents during their terms in office. And we all found out this guy's name really quickly. But Walmart, in their official so-called apology, doesn't even say we fired the perpetrator. We fired the member of our social media who made the mistake. What do you think would have happened if somebody on Walmart's social media team used Walmart's official Twitter platform to taunt Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, Bernie Sanders, AOC, or any Democrat elected official. And uh, for that matter, how did this social media team member at Walmart, think that he or she or Jure or whatever this person calls him or herself could get away with it. Uh, could it possibly be because he or she or Jure knew he or she or Jure would get away with it? Well, we're Walmart. We don't we don't come on a personnel matters. They didn't even say that. They didn't even say that, did they? It's disgusting. 
Anyway, I, I do mean I, I do need to mention to you that Mark Levin will be back hosting his radio show on Monday, January fourth, and this is an historic time. But that was a very good start from Senator Josh Hawley. But I noticed the senator mentioned being particularly concerned about Pennsylvania, and and he's right. However, there is widespread fraud reported in Michigan, Arizona, Wisconsin. And oh my goodness, did you see any of the Georgia Senate Judiciary Subcommittee hearings about voter fraud in Georgia this morning? And I'm talking about stuff like this. Showed you this slide a couple minutes ago, but what I did was I was able to go in and pull down the entire data feed from the Edison feed, which comes from Seidel, which comes from the Secretary of State. It's not perfect, but it's what we have because the Secretary of State won't give us uh, the original data feed. Wait, he won't? Really? What's he have to hide? So how do we just go sideways here? All right, so um, what you're looking at here is, is the big spike that happened, and this blue line right here, um, it happened in four states. That's impossible. Um, there will be other data analysts that will show that to you. I'll skip past this. Um, this just shows you additional vote spikes that happened uh, in after hours. Anybody who wants a copy of this, I'll send it to you. There are courses. Uh, all right, so why don't we have original timestamp data? Secretary of State won't give it to us. All right. What does he have to hide? Mark's on a number of stations in Georgia. Brad Raffensperger. What do you have to hide, bro? If this is a transparent election, why are citizens not able to see it? And with so many issues, why is the Secretary of State not investigating? Why do I have to take time out of running my business and taking care of my clients to come down here and do the work of the Secretary of State? That's inexcusable. Here's Michigan. You see the exact same vote spike that happened where Biden got 141,000 votes and Trump got 5,900. Not possible. There's the same Michigan vote spike graphically. Here's Wisconsin, same thing. 143,000 votes come in for, for, uh, for Biden, 25,000 for Trump, same vote spike. Impossible. Impossible. Okay, so Josh Hawley, Josh Hawley, U.S. Senator of Missouri, made a great start today. Great start. He is to be commended for saying, hey, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to object and he's especially concerned about Pennsylvania. Okay, I just played you the tip of the iceberg on Georgia. We got a lot more coming up. But I have a suggestion to Mark Levin's listeners in Missouri about what Senator Josh Hawley said today. And he's a stand-up guy. He's a stand-up guy. There's no question about it. And that is coming up straight ahead as we continue. Uh, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. 
Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin. We got a hero, one of 100, Josh Hawley. Missouri, Republican senator saying, hey, there's too much fraud going on, and I'm going to stand up and object to some of these electors on January 6th. That's a start. That's a start. Now, I notice he's particularly concerned about Pennsylvania. But, of course, his statement came out before a lot of the news broke about Georgia today. So may I make a suggestion to Mark Levin's Missouri listeners listening on KCMO in Kansas City, KSGF in Springfield, KFRU in Columbia, KZRG in Joplin, KWS, Jefferson City or KZIM in Cape Girardeau. Call Senator Hawley's office. Tell whoever answers the phone how much you appreciate the senator's plan to object to fraudulent electors and urge them to take a look at the evidence of fraud in states beside Pennsylvania, especially what came out in Georgia today. There are way, 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 way too many Republican members of Congress who seem ready to roll over, play dead, let China Joe Biden steal the election. Well, we lost this time, but we'll come back strong and we'll take them next time in 2024. Don't you get it? I mean, I think Josh Hawley gets it. I'm not sure about how many of the rest. If we let them steal this landslide away from President Trump, there's not going to be a next time. So good for Senator Hawley of Missouri for being the first senator to announce he's going to rise to object to fraudulent Biden electors on January 6th. How many other Republican senators will have the guts to stick their necks out for our president and indeed our country? My two senators from Arkansas have been mighty quiet. Looking at you, Tom Cotton and John Bozeman. It's not too late to stand up and be counted as senators who cared enough to try to stop our election and our country from being stolen by the Communist Chinese Party. But wait, there's more. One of the people who testified before the Georgia Senate Committee today is a gentleman named Jovan Pulitzer. He's the guy who invented the QR code, which basically created the world of scan commerce. And here is some of what he said today. Any printer, industry executive, any monetary printing executive, any engineer in the world that deals with printing will tell you this simple fact. If your machine is not calibrated to hit the target, it becomes something else. So if we talk about machines and we talk about code, it is a smoke and mirrors not to deal with what's real and physical. Here's my contention. This is the historical artifact of a voter 
And states are telling voters, you have no right to that. The very voter that pays your salary, that paid for that ballot, that paid for that piece of paper, and paid for the machine that you're running it in. And so those people that pay your salary that you work for and do this for, you're telling them you can't look at them. That is both unacceptable and un-American. What I'm saying is all of these problems you've heard today can be corrected and detected now by the simplest of things. All right, wait, 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 wait. He is just getting warmed up. He's just getting warmed up. This is some crazy stuff. It takes you days or weeks to recount votes. Give me these 500,000 ballots. We'll have them done in two hours. Wow. How can you complain? What is there to hide with the physical artifact of the human interaction that is putting people in office? That is unacceptable, un-American, and to talk about it any other way is smoke and mirrors, is geek gobbly gook. We want to know if these ballots are authentic or counterfeit. We want to make sure every vote is verified. This is not about President Donald J. Trump or President-elect Joe Biden. This is about, are we still a country where your vote matters? One person, one vote. If you refuse to allow the ballots to be examined, the ballots, not the smoke and mirrors, but the ballots, let the machine look at it, not the voting machine that already messed up. Machines do what you tell them. You just have it look at that and verify the vote. There's only one element that will do that. The historical artifact of the people of the United States of America and here, the people of the state of Georgia. They trusted you that this was right. They trusted you that your vote would matter. They trusted you. I have a voice and I want my voice counted. Well, I bet they don't trust those Georgia elections officials anymore. Do you? I mean, why should they? Why should they? Now, we have more coming up from um, the testimony today from Jovan Pulitzer, who caught everybody by surprise with something he was able to pull off today. People were just shocked, and you will be too. I guarantee you that. Okay, more coming up straight ahead, along with your calls at 877-381-3811. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Hey, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one who will be back Monday, January 4th. And uh, it is quite an honor to be uh, the last uh, live guy filling in. Best of Mark tomorrow, best of Mark on, on Friday. What a momentous week we're looking at uh, next week. Mark has a great new article out. On the blaze entitled, On January 6th, we learn whether our Constitution will hold and whether congressional Republicans care. And you know what? You need to contact your U.S. representative and your U.S. senators and tell them what happened in the Georgia testimony today. Widespread fraud. Widespread fraud. So, we're checking out. Some testimony from a guy named Jovan Pulitzer. 
the guy who invented the QR code, which basically created the world of scan commerce. And here's some of what he said today. That is only that piece of paper. It is unforgivable for somebody to be able to audit something and then the original one disappears. How convenient. You know if you did it in your company as a mechanical engineer and you had your CPA do it or your financial guy, you'd fire them. And that's just one little bitty company. But yet we accept this as a nation. Unacceptable. Un-American. So our technology can answer every bit of these. So let's look at this. Here's what I have a problem with is simplest state. This is the county's statement on ballots. Went out on national TV. We had 113,130 votes at the time, and we had to adjudicate 106,000 of them. Wow. You know what that's really saying? Your machine didn't work. When the national average for the last elections, 2016, was what? 1.2%. That's an audited number. 1.2% of the total had to be adjudicated. And then you look at 2018. Nationally, 2.7%. But yet your own election officials said, we had to do this 93.6% of the time. Let wow. me decode that for you. Mr. Mechanical Engineer, your machine doesn't work. Mr. Printer, your ballot's screwed up. It sure is. The ballot screwed up and the machine doesn't work. Wow. Did you realize that the machine to tabulate the ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, that's Atlanta, had to adjudicate over 93% of the time? But for some reason, the governor of Georgia, Secretary of State of Georgia, don't want a forensic audit done of Fulton County, Georgia? I think they both should resign. And hey, Mr. Producer, do elected officials in Georgia have to resign if they're charged with felonies? Hmm? Oh, no, I didn't have anybody in particular in mind. I was just asking for a friend. Because I know, you know, if you certify an election you know is fraudulent, that'd be a federal felony. But I, I can't think of anybody right off the bat. Anyway, here's more from inventor and patented specialist Jovan Pulitzer testifying in the Georgia Senate earlier today explaining how the machines and the ballots got goofed up. Because you took something that should have been transparent and easy and readable, and you put an opinion smack dab in the middle of it. How is that acceptable? That's like depositing $100, and your bank says, well, we only see it as $2.33. That's our opinion of it. Would you accept that? Because that's the net effect of this. No, it is unacceptable. And by the way, where everybody talks about batch scanning, which you have on video, you have on video people standing there feeding the ballots, doing the three-card Monty, run them again. One-card Monty, run them again. Wow. Let me tell you how that works, right? You don't go to the bank and deposit $1,000 and say, hand it back. Let me run the same $1,000 through, and now you got a $2,000 net deposit. And you don't say, hand that $1,000 back, let me run it again, and now i got a $3,000 net deposit. We also don't take our $600 stimulus check and feed it to a Dominion machine because we get $187,000 back. Unacceptable. Now, you might be able to accept these, and everybody might try to talk quietly about it and duck their heads in the sand. This is not even a beating of a drum. This is a burning of a city. 
This is a broadcasting to every person who voted in Georgia. Your vote doesn't matter because we're going to decide what you really meant. But I could just hear a lot of the so-called Republicans in Congress now saying, well, now, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute now, son. That, that's okay. We'll get them next time. In the meantime, we need a bipartisan committee, you know, to make sure the Democrats don't steal the next presidential election from us. Yeah, we'll have a bipartisan committee of uh, Republicans and Democrats to make sure the Democrats don't steal the next one. Uh, yes, sir. Let, yes, sir. Let, 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 let's let that fox all the way inside the hen house. Bi- bipartisan. I say that bipartisan is, uh, is the watchword of the day, don't you know? So I'm up here saying I don't care what anybody's background is. You know why? It's 100% irrelevant. I only care what that piece of paper tells us. And I'm not going to listen to anybody else. You know why? Because I'm not going to be talked out of the historical artifact that the person expressed. That is the only thing that matters, not your opinion of how these machines work. It doesn't matter at all. That is just an opinion, and we all got one. The fact is the paper, the paper. Verify the vote. Verify the vote. The paper, the paper. I don't care about the councils or committees. I'm sorry. And in case you didn't tell, I'm not going to bow to it. I do care about the American people. I do not care how the vote comes down. I do care that it counts right. I do care that it's authentic. Our country was founded on a piece of paper. Our laws and our word came down to us on paper. And all of a sudden, we're going to hide the paper and we don't get to look at it? Unacceptable. That is the word. Okay. You're not going to believe. You're not going to believe what happened next. No, there's multiple teams working on this and our technology teams into it. And as was broke uh, early in the week and last week about connected devices at this very moment at a polling location in the county, not only do we now have access through the devices to the poll pad, the system, but we are in. And it's not supposed to have Wi-Fi, and that's not supposed to be able to happen. So we've documented now it's communicating two ways in real time, meaning it's receiving data and sending data. Should never happen. Shouldn't be Wi-Fi. We've now documented it in real time so we can suck down the data. But that's going on right there where everybody's voting. And I just wanted to get it into the record. Now, we've always been told voting machines are not and cannot be connected to the internet. I have always told my listeners that in Little Rock, Arkansas, in Charlotte, North Carolina, in Panama City, Florida before that, because that's what I've always been told. Voting machines are not and cannot be connected to the internet. That's what we've always been told. But now, we see that some of them are. And the question is, the question is, how many and how did they affect the presidential election of 2020? And by the way, when this guy, Jovan Pulitzer, says we are in a voting machine where people are voting right now, remember what that means. Early voting for United States Senator Kelly Loeffler versus Raphael Warnock, I can't call him pastor. Early voting for United States Senator David Perdue versus John Ossoff. Big fan of 
communist China, by the way, is going on in Georgia today. Now, listen to the response of the Georgia State Senators when Joe Van Pulitzer tells them his team got into a voting machine by Wi-Fi right then. Thank you. Mr. Yes. Mr. Jones, Mr. One of those, is it a mobile uh, precinct or is it a... No, it a, it's, a, it's a standing building okay. that this should not happen. Right. And, and be, it shouldn't happen in any way, but this is another one in real time. We won't disclose location because every location is right, being right, checked, right. but we've now confirmed it 100%. Right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Senator Beach, did you... And, and now comes still... Did you have a question? Okay, well, Senator Tillery. Thank you. Um, thank you for your testimony. We've heard that there's three different types of machines, a scanner, a ballot market device, and a polling pad. Right. Do you know which one it is communicating, or can you tell that? Or uh, right now, um, what you heard in the past was coming through the thermostat and stuff. This is now a more direct access way, and so this is coming through the polling pad device where they're checking everything. But now, you know, it only takes one device where you daisy-chain them together and do it. But the most important thing is that shouldn't be two-waying and even shouldn't be accessible or on, and it's there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, the word came out after his testimony, after his testimony, that the Georgia State Senate Judiciary Committee voted to allow an audit of absentee ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, and that Jovan Pulitzer, the guy that testified, will lead the audit. What I don't know, now he, he again, he's a witness who revealed that his team hacked into Dominion voting, proving the machines were connected to the Internet. What I don't know, and nobody seems to be addressing this, the Georgia Senate Judiciary Subcommittee unanimously passes motion to audit Fulton County's absentee ballots using the method outlined by Joe Van Pulitzer. I don't know if they have the authority to actually make it happen. You can pass a resolution all you want. You know what I'm saying? But we just saw Georgia Secretary of State oversee an audit of voting in Cobb County, Georgia, where there weren't any complaints and studiously ignoring Fulton County, where there's all kinds of obvious fraud going on. So I wonder what it's going to take. I wonder what it's going to take. Now, we also need to hear what Rudy Giuliani said today. Very important in Georgia. Plus your calls at 877-381-3811. I'm Doc Washburn for Little Rock, Arkansas, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data 
for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Hey, Doc Washburn, filling for the great one, Mark Levin, who will be back on Monday, January the 4th. And uh, just some incredible testimony today. And the, uh, the Georgia Senate Judiciary Subcommittee. Here is uh, one of the greatest mayors in New York City ever, Rudy Giuliani, in Georgia today. There are 10 ways to demonstrate that this election was stolen, that the votes were phony, that there were a lot of them. Dead people, felons, phony ballots, phony mail-in ballots. How is it that in every single Republican county in this state, state senators ran ahead of the president by four to six percent? Every single one. Exactly the same, four to six percent. We know the president's favorability in this state. We know that, at least in a few of those cases, he's going to run ahead of the Republican senators. And it just so happens it's just in the states where they fixed the vote that that happened. In other states, the president ran ahead of most Republican state senators. So I, I'm tired of demonstrating it. There are so many ways of demonstrating it. You know it. This is a question of courage. It's ultimately a question of courage. Do you have the courage to stand up? to the obligation the Constitution of the United States put on you to save our people from fraud, to save the reputation of the state of Georgia. Wow. From, from in history, certifying a phony vote that led to the wrong result in an election, which will be the verdict of history. Or do you have the courage to put up with what's going to happen if you, in fact, change that certification and do the right thing? You'll be attacked. You'll be pilloried. You'll be described in all sorts of horrible ways. But you'll wake up the next morning, look in the mirror, and you'll be able to say, I did the right thing. Amen. And that's what you should be about in public office. Yep. Not worried about what people say, but what you did. And I'll tell you another thing. Your decision will stand the test of history. Because this is going to prove to be even worse than it is now, and it's pretty bad. So I implore you, hold a session, take a vote. Do the right thing and forget the criticism. You know what the right thing to do is. You've seen the evidence. You know what the law is. And I implore you to do the right thing. Not, not, not necessarily for President Trump, although he is my client and your client. But now it really has become much bigger than that. For yeah. The American people. And so this stops right now. No more of this stuff in America. This is the stuff you do in a third world country. We let them get away with this, it can get much worse. That's right. That's right, Ari. Here's more. Because this was not an accident. This was organized. What happened here in this state is precisely the same thing that happened in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Arizona. And some of it happened at exactly the same time, particularly that phony, phony situation at the Fulton County uh, center, which which you have documented 
if you if you can watch that and not realize that this was a major situation of voter fraud, then you're a fool or a liar. It's quite obvious that they are counting ballots illegally. The law of this state says that the counting of ballots has to be public, that it has to be uh, allow inspectors, it has to allow uh, both sides to have a chance to observe it. I mean, the law of every state just about requires that. Well, you can see the people being thrown out. (laughs) You can see them being thrown out. You can see them checking all around. And then, in a very, very suspicious way, counting ballots so fast they couldn't possibly look at the signatures. They couldn't possibly look at the ballots. And then you can see them counting the ballots more than once, two, three, four, five times. You would have to be a moron not to realize that that's voter fraud. And if you just take a look at the ballots counted during that period of time, and you deduct that number of ballots from Fulton County, the winner of this election in Georgia is President Trump not Joe Biden. And that'll be provable a year from now and two years from now and 10 years from now. And it's really a disservice to the people of your state. It leaves a stigma that you shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. They're going to ask. You can be sure. Because this is going to continue unless we stop it. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Indeed, it will. Look, we will get some uh, some more callers in uh, in the third hour, but there is so much, and I hope you understand that this is an historic time in our country. And as one of our earlier callers said, we need to pray not just for our president, but for our country, and for our Congress, and for our courts. There's a lot on the line here. I'm Doc Washburn, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin from Little Rock, Arkansas. And delighted to be here. And before we go to your calls... At 877-381-3811. I, I want to give you a little hope. There's a guy I follow out there on uh, Twitter, a guy named Seth J. Levy. Calls himself The Reckoning. And he has a sports analogy. An analogy to the place where we may be as a country. An analogy to the place where President Trump may be. And here's what he says. In 2010, when Chris Bosch announced he would sign with the Miami Heat, I speculated that this meant LeBron would ultimately also sign with Miami, so I called the ticket office the same day and bought a pair of season tickets. That started a five-year period where I was a Miami Heat season ticket holder. 
LeBron did ultimately take his talents to South Beach, forming the Big Three. They famously and overconfidently announced they would win not one, not two, not three championships. Well, it turned out that the first year was a struggle. They looked awful at many points, but they did ultimately make the NBA Finals where they faced the Dallas Mavericks. It was a revenge series for Dallas's 2006 Finals loss to Miami. My wife and I were in the building for Game 6. Dallas pulled ahead late, and we watched as they celebrated their championship on our court. It was not a pleasant experience. Then in 2011-2012, Miami got their act together and won the NBA Finals versus OKC in five games. My wife and I were in the stands for the Game 5 blowout, 121-106. to He says that game was probably her favorite because we led start to finish. Kelly hates the stress of close games. The next year, the Heat rolled through the regular regular season and into the NBA Finals, again, where they faced the San Antonio Spurs. They gave Miami everything they had and then some. It was a back-and-forth series. Entering Game 6, San Antonio was up three games to two. We were in the stands again for Game 6. It was a great game, competitive from start to finish. In the third quarter, San Antonio went up by as much as 10 points, but with five minutes left in the fourth, Miami tied the score at 82. Then the Heat took the lead by three, 89-86, with under two minutes to go. But the Spurs quickly roared back, and with 30 seconds left, took a five-point lead, And now we arrive at the whole point of telling this story. When San Antonio went up by five points, my wife, who, as I said earlier, hates the stress of close games and dealing with the memories of the 2011 finals lost to Dallas, turned to me and said, I can't sit here and watch them lose again. I understood, but for me... These moments are why I watch. So I told her, you can go and wait for me in the walkway, but I'm not leaving until the game is over. She walked out. So what happened? Well, the Heat mounted the most improbable comeback in NBA Finals history that ended with a Chris Bosh offensive rebound and kick out to Ray Allen. Allen hit the three-pointer in the corner, with five seconds left to tie the game. Of course, the arena erupted. The building was literally shaking. As the game went to overtime, my wife returned, stunned at what had transpired, and we watched the Heat win in overtime. It was a game, and a moment, neither one of us will ever forget. So, why do I tell this story? Because I get it. As Trump supporters were down five points with 30 seconds left. Winning from here seems improbable. Some of you want to leave the arena to avoid the anxiety and pain of a loss. But it is actually these moments 
and these situations that also provide the most elation and lasting memories. It's not easy to stay in your seat and watch. There are reasons to doubt, but here's the truth. The reality. As long as there is time on the clock, the game isn't over. And Seth J. Levy wasn't over either. He had a number of tweets in a row. Things that people have said about Trump over the whole process of his short political career thus far. First of all, ah, Trump can't win a primary. Then, Trump can't win the nomination. Then, uh, Trump can't secure the delegates. And then, Trump can't beat Hillary. And then, Trump can't end the individual mandate. And then, Trump can't pass major legislation. And then, Trump can't move the embassy to Jerusalem. Next, Trump can't escape Robert Mueller. Trump can't defeat ISIS. Trump can't withdraw from Syria. Trump can't get a trade deal with China. Trump can't confirm Kavanaugh. Trump can't get Amy Coney Barrett confirmed before the election. Trump can't get the presidential election decided in the House of Representatives. I don't know, fam. I don't know. What if he can? What if he actually can? Let's uh, let's take a look at some callers here. I've waited too long. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Um, let me see. Which which one? Should, they all look so good. Which one should I pick, Mister Producer or Mister Call Screener? You you got you. All right. Brett in Marion, Illinois. Brett, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washburn filling in. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes. Um, I was just listening to you earlier, and, you know, people were talking about civil war and people saying they, you know, don't want blood in the streets. And, of course, none of us want that. But there's other ways you can fight back. Um, Like I've been telling people, kind of boycott the Democratic areas. I mean, Truckers can refuse to bring food in. You know, people can refuse to buy products that are made in California. You know, any of the, the um, you know, all the flyover states are self-sufficient. It's the liberal, you know, hives that rely on us. And um, anything that comes out of there, I mean, that's just another way of fighting back. Because, you know, like they say in more, there's a lot of uh, variables in one of the ways of defeating the enemies cut off their supply chain you cut off their money you cut off their their ability to eat um you know we can well i you know i I think they're going to be able to eat but i but i get your point about about pardon me sorry i choked up there i get your point about you know it's the same thing as um you know you you don't patronize hollywood anymore because you know what they're about and 
after today with uh, with Walmart and Josh Hawley, I think some people are going to be kind of looking at Walmart sideways. I mean, they did apologize, but nothing about, oh, we're going to, uh, you know, fire our social media uh, person who was so disrespectful to the one senator who's standing up for our country, you know. Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to see anybody starve, and I'm sure they're not going to. Uh, but, you know, now let me ask something, because there's some, there's some irony here, too. There's some irony here, too, Brett, because that insane governor in California has them locked down so hard that they're already suffering. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm sorry. But they continue to vote that way. They they continue to uh, pick that governor. They continue to pick the people that are, are leading them and then complain about it. You know, if we make it just harder and harder on them. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, you know, instead of having depots for exchange, you know, freight exchanges in the liberal areas, take it somewhere else. You know, put put them out of work. You know, and okay. let them keep voting the way they vote. Okay. Well, um, Brett, you know, I, I, there's an elephant in the living room here. I, I, I've got to ask you. Um, you're calling from Illinois, which is quite a blue state. Are you considering relocating? I actually am considering le- we are going to relocate. Um, we're looking at Texas. We're looking at Florida. Um, yeah. I just have a business here that, that we've got to get done with. But I actually used to be in Florida. I was from Illinois, went to Florida, came to Illinois 20 years ago to be more centrally located for shipping and stuff. Sure. And now we're Makes sense. we're trying to get things done and get out. Yeah, Florida's nice this time of year. Florida's nice any time of the year. It's fantastic. Uh, Brett, I appreciate your passion, and as another caller said, we need to pray for our country and pray for our president, and I still think that Donald Trump has has a few cards up his sleeve, if you catch my drift. Great call, Brett. I appreciate it. More calls coming up and more encouragement coming up. 877-381-3811. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one from Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I, I have so much more encouragement coming up for you. 
uh, out of the top, uh, out of the bottom of the hour uh, news break on your local station. But I want to try to see if I can uh, get a couple of callers in here uh, first at eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Let me go with uh, let me go with Ralph in New Jersey. Ralph, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washburn filling in. What's up, sir? Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Wasser, for taking my call, allowing me to express in this town hall uh, forum of yours. Now, that said, I would pick up on what Mayor Giuliani uh, said about if we allow them to get away with this, okay? Yes, sir. Uh, Meaning the, the, you know, the weak Republican, which are basically an enabler of the Democrat, or for that matter, the Democratic Party. If we allow them to get away with this, what we are looking at is turning our country into a de facto one-party state. We know one-party state when we look at China, okay? Yeah, Banana Republic, yeah. Rubber stamp, everything. No. One party state, Banana Republic, however you want to describe or call it. But we right. look at China. That is a one party state, and they rubber stamp everything to the CCP. Okay? Right. Look at what's happening in Hong Kong, people. It's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. can't you see with your own eyes what's going on in there? Now, it's interesting you mentioned Hong Kong because remember what happened to the general manager of the Houston Rockets when he put out this innocuous little tweet on Twitter saying, hey, stand with the Hong Kong protesters. And LeBron James, one of the richest men in entertainment, because that's what sports is, entertainment, came down on him like a ton of bricks. How dare you? You're not thinking about people's feelings. Um, Excuse me? So you see there's, you know, they're, they're enemies foreign and domestic as far as I'm concerned, Ralph. Okay, I guess I guess we lost Ralph. Um, great call, though. Great call. Uh, let me go with uh, Lily in Los Angeles. Lily, we got about a, a minute or two. Let's make it count. What you got? Yeah, hi, Doc. Um, what I wanted to say when I heard uh, Mitch congratulate uh, Biden and, and Harris, yeah, I about threw up. I couldn't believe it. And the man is so—he's such an idiot. He doesn't realize it's career suicide what he has done. Yeah. Now, the next thing I want to say quickly is that every single Republican senator needs to stand up on the 6th, which happens to be my birthday. And oh. that's what I've been praying for. Yes. Because you know what? If they don't stand up for our president, as far as I'm concerned, every single voter, Republican, needs to fire them. They're right. out of a job. Right. Amen. Amen. Lily, uh, I appreciate your passion. And I agree so much. Thank you. God bless you. Appreciate it. There's a guy named Madison Cawthorn who recently was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives out of Western North Carolina. He's only in his 20s. And he said said that he will um, organize a movement with funding to primary Republican members of Congress who do not stand with his president. And I say God bless him. God bless Madison Cawthorn. We've got a bunch of U.S. representatives 
who say that they are going to object to the electors on January 6th. I haven't heard a peep out of any of the four U.S. representatives from Arkansas yet. We have one U.S. senator, Josh Hawley, out of Missouri, says, I will stand up and I will object to the electors. Haven't heard anything from uh, U.S. senators, any other U.S. senators yet. So we'll see. I mean, um, you know, I, I called out by name the two from the state that I broadcast out of, Arkansas, Tom Cotton and John Bozeman. Guys, it's time to stand up and be counted. It's time to be stand up. Uh, uh, time to stand up and be counted. It absolutely is. All right, more encouragement, more encouragement coming up in just a few, right after your bottom of the hour news break. I'm Doc Washburn. Always an honor, especially in a historic time like this, to fill in for the great one, Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. Hey, Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin as we look forward to the new year, as we look forward to uh, what's Mike Pence do? going to do on January 6th. What are the Republican members of the House and the Senate going to do on January 6th? And I want to encourage you here in the, uh, the waning minutes of the last half hour of the Mark Levin Show on December 30th, 2020. One of my favorite columnists, a guy named Brian Cates, who writes for UncoverDC.com, also writes for the EpochTimes.com, and sometimes he just does these threads on Twitter, and I'm like, this is a work of art and poetry, and here is one from earlier today. He says, all warfare is based on deception. Everybody assuming Trump hasn't been working furiously behind the scenes to affect certain outcomes were wrong. They based their assumption, Trump doing nothing and just hoping for the best, on the surface of things, as they were supposed to, frankly. Here's a a saying from a book called The Art of War, written by a guy named Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-Z-U, 2,500 years ago in China. Hold out baits to entice the enemy. Feign disorder and crush him. So then you got 
Patrick Byrne, the overstock guy, who was in a White House meeting not too long ago, saying Trump's own advisors are lying to him. He has no idea what's going on. I feel sorry for him. Okay. Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, is fashioned after Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War. They'll never accept that Trump has been studying information warfare for more than 50 years. Nope. As far as a lot of people, even people that like him, are concerned, they just think he's obviously a moron. So it's impossible that he would actually know what he's doing. Well, there's a Donald J. Trump tweet from September 20th, 2013, which says, Move slowly, carefully, and then strike the fa- strike like the fastest animal on the planet. All right? Brian Cates continues. The chapters in The Art of War by Sun Tzu on the use of spies are particularly instructive. Spies are used for several chief purposes. Number one, to learn the enemy's real plans. Number two, to give the enemy your own fake plans. Number three, to sow confusion among the enemy. And number four, to guide the enemy into attacking your strong positions because they have been tricked by your spies into believing that your strong positions are where you are weak. Trump has never just sat back and hoped for the best. The best general wins the battle before it's ever fought. Everybody assumes Donald Trump is just vainly hoping for a good outcome on January 6th. In fact, I believe he already prepared the ground for the battle long ago, and the outcome is not in doubt. But he will not show you this until the battle begins. His enemies cannot know what his real strategy is or what the real preparations are that he has made for this battle are until the battle has begun. They can't even know who's really on his side that might have been pretending to fight against him until the battle has started. Well, I would fight these people openly and transparently. That's what well-meaning but naive people say on a regular basis. And Trump's not going to do that. Donald J. Trump will not fight these corrupt systems openly and transparently. You're just going to have to accept that. Well, sure would be nice to know how Trump intends to win this battle. I sure wish he would tell us all through media interviews and his Twitter account what he's really up to. This statement, by its very nature, shows why Trump cannot do that. It's nonsensical. Every public move and word Donald Trump makes and says is intently watched by powerful enemies who are out to sabotage his every effort. He's not going to give them the ammunition they need to sabotage his battle preparations. Let me tell you something. From the dim, dark past of long ago, Donald Trump's very first press conference as the newly inaugurated President of the United States, January 2017. Trump pulled off an information warfare operation on a leaker, then boasted to the press about it. Trump explicitly stated he said something that was not true to some people briefing him at a meeting. Then, what he said 
showed up in the mainstream press as a leak, a real hot scoop. He'd just been president for a week. People briefing him were already leaking to the news media, right? Remember that? Trump told the assembled press, too stupid to realize what he was really telling them, that he sprang a canary trap on a leaker. He said this right to the news media's face, but they could not process it. It did not compute with them when he said, and I quote, the leaks are real, the news is fake, unquote. One of the few media pundits that marveled over what Donald Trump had just done at that moment, January 2017, and how quickly what he had done was memory hold, was the great Molly Hemingway over the Federalist. Trump had leaked, pardon me, Trump had fed leakers fake news and everybody just shrugged and moved on and didn't learn a thing from it. But Molly Hemingway, the Federalist, got it. Brian Kate says, I've said for going on four years now, it's not just the fake news media taking fake leaks from Trump's enemies. Any wild rumor or scuttlebutt that confirms their biases and rushing it into print with the sourcing being anonymous officials familiar with the matter. Trump himself demonstrated from the very beginning that the news media was too stupid to spot it when he himself fed leakers fake information, knowing they would pass it on to their pet reporters. Trump wants his enemies to think his White House is in absolute chaos at all times. People at his own elbow are sandbagging him at every turn, hiding information from him, not carrying out his orders, and when he finds out, he's too timid to do anything about it. That's what he wants them to think. Like Hitler in the bunker, thinking Steiner's attack is going to miraculously save him. The pictures painted through anonymous leaks that a Trump under siege in the White House is suffering from self-delusion, his own advisors humoring him as his total defeat approaches. Now, they'll never admit it publicly, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trump himself is orchestrating the leaks out of his White House that paints a picture of him that his enemies want to believe is real. I mean, seriously, would you worry about a president whose own advisors lie to him and humor him? Brian Kate says, I've been saying for some time now the disinformation that will be flying around from both sides will increase exponentially the closer we get to January 6th. Trump and his team both declared and secret, will be feeding fake leaks to the news media at a fast pace. And then come the quotes from Sun Tzu, The Art of War, Sun Tzu, the book that President Trump based The Art of the Deal on. Here's a quote. In the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. Here's another quote. Thus the expert in battle moves the enemy and is not moved by him. Here's another quote from Sun Tzu. Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. 
Here's another one. Secret operations are essential in war. Upon them the army relies to make its every move. And then Brian Cates has pictures of President Trump with the Army West Point football team, has a picture of the interim Secretary of Defense, Christopher C. Miller, who he appointed to take the place of Mark Esper, who he fired unceremoniously six days after the election, and then a picture of a guy that you're going to come to know and find out a lot about, I think, in the coming weeks, months, and years, Ezra Cohen-Watnick who was Michael Flynn's right-hand man as incoming National Security Advisor in January 2017. And then when the FBI stabbed Flynn in the back and he was fired, the new NSA, H.R. McMaster, wanted to fire Ezra Cohen-Watnick, 30 years old then, four years ago, and Trump wouldn't let him. All right, here's another Sun Tzu quote. The whole secret lies in confusing the enemy so that he cannot fathom our real intent. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Because most people who like Donald Trump, most people who support Donald Trump, do not understand him at all. They like him, they want to support him, but they take everything at face value, and they get all flustered. Another Sun Tzu quote. Now again, remember, The Art of War, 2,500 years ago, it was written. And Donald Trump based the art of the deal on the art of war. Here's another quote. Engage people with what they expect. It is what they are able to discern and confirms their projections. It settles them into predictable patterns of response, occupying their minds while you wait for the extraordinary moment that which they cannot anticipate. Another quote from Sun Tzu, every battle is won before it is fought. And I'll give you one last quote before we go to a break and then your calls are coming up. Perhaps the most important quote from Sun Tzu's The Art of War, which Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal book was based on, let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night. And when you move, fall like a thunderbolt. You know, I've got a quote I like even better from a good friend of Mark Levin's, a fellow I've never met. I interviewed him almost 20 years ago when his first book came out. Sean Hannity. Quotes from Holy Scripture. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in the Father, believe also in me. As an earlier caller said, we need to pray for our president and pray for our country. All right, your call is coming up at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show continues. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. A little bit more um, encouragement before we go to the calls, 877-381-3811. A little bit more from Brian Cates this afternoon on Twitter. He said, President Trump has not been impotently, or pardon me, impotently raging at Georgia Governor Kemp and Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger on his Twitter like a lot of people have been assuming. He's been trolling them. He knew this was going to happen. Trump trolled them for two months to do the right thing. Endless warnings on Twitter that idiots look to be him impotently whining like a loser because he was powerless. He was setting them up. Who wants to bet Trump and Giuliani didn't have this planned out weeks ago? They should have taken the hint from the dramatic drop of the pulling the containers of ballots from under the table video that came out a while back, but they didn't. Now they're going to wish they had. Two months' worth of fake talking points were just blown sky high today with that Georgia testimony. Dominion's voting machines are secure. They can't be hacked into remotely and are not connected to the Internet anyway. And how dare you allege otherwise, you lunatic. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. All right, calls, 877-381-3811. Tomas, San Francisco, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. You're on the Mark Levin Show with Doc Washburn. What's up? Uh, well, uh, I'm an immigrant that became a citizen after I served in the armed forces in 1968 through 1974. Thank you for Let your service. Nicaragua prior to Sandinista took over. Right. Destroyed Nicaragua. Yes, sir. Millions of Nicaraguan citizens have immigrated everywhere. Others have put to death. And I ask these people here to think about socialism. Ask a Venezuelan, ask a Cuban, ask yes. a Nicaraguan and see if they like it. Yes, sir. They don't know what the hell they're fooling around with. That's right. You know, I have traveled all over Europe and United States is the best piece of land the good Lord has given us. Amen. And we should not turn it into a godless and stupid thinking losers. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. Brothers and sisters in Georgia, get up and vote January Amen. the 5th, now that they have an opportunity to block in socialism. If not, they will regret the rest of their life. That's You're right, brother. Say, my friend. Now, thank you for taking my call. 
God bless you and thank you for your service, sir. I appreciate it. All right, Nancy in L.A. Nancy, we got about a minute. Let's make a count. What you got? Hello? Yes, ma'am. So, hello. Hi. I have three, three points. I lived in the Philippines under martial law. It was not a happy moment. I went to four stores before I found a, a U.S. flag that wasn't made in China, put on my house. Wow. And uh, in Los Angeles County, they didn't check ID either uh, signature or, or uh, ID for voting. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, Nancy, have you considered, we only got about uh, 20 seconds, have you considered moving out of California? Yes. Good idea. My daughter's encouraged. She moved to North Carolina. I don't know. North Carolina is beautiful. That's where I grew up. That's where I grew up. Nancy, God bless you. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of Mark's listeners. And thank you so much to Mark and Mr. Call Screener, Mr. Producer. I appreciate you guys. God bless you. And let's pray for our country for January 6th. I think it's going to turn out well, but it's in God's hands. We'll talk to you all down the line. Thank you very much. Doc Washburn signing off. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.